Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Hooked on Sports. My name is John Flynn. Thank you so very much for listening in. Once again, we have a lot to get into this week on our regular podcast. We're all over the Major League Baseball playoffs, wildcard games tonight and tomorrow. We'll get into the uh, the Chargers and the Cardinals in, in the National Football League. We'll get into the Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville. But I want to begin with what was the most anticipated event of the weekend, Brady versus Belichick in New England in Foxborough on Sunday Night Football. And... If you are watching this game, and every casual fo- football fan knows about the relationship between Belichick and Brady, and and the debates will still go on uh, for who is more responsible about um about who is more responsible for the dynasty that gave the Patriots six championships in twenty years, and that there 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 are those things that that are go uh, that are going to be playing out over the next uh, uh next next few seasons as Brady, as long as Brady plays and Belichick still coaches so but i i want to look look at the game on Sunday night because it was the prototypical chess match between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick right because overall through, through all of Tom Brady's career what we have seen is that Brady is more importantly a winner than 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 his statistical numbers suggest, and 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 Tom Brady just simply goes out there finds ways to win football games, and all of his championships that have come, uh, uh, with with the exception of the last two, have come in games that were decided by, uh, by seven points or less. And 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 the Buccaneers, uh, they 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 had some issues early on, uh, trying to get past the Patriots defense. And I thought Belichick uh, devised a really nice plan on on defense. And and and, the, and the, as a result, the Buccaneers ha- had some problems, um, putting a lot of points on the board. Well, I mean, I, and the the first half I thought was rather was was rather off because because the Buccaneers only managed two field goals throughout the throughout the, the whole first half and then the and then then the Buccaneers they they score early on in the second half a, a touchdown and then they they had to settle for uh for a couple of field goals in the fourth quarter and and I I think uh, I thought Brady uh, he kept it cool that he he told Michelle Tafoya after the game on Sunday night that he did, he didn't want to cry or what or anything whatsoever. That that he, he showed very little very little emotion. He took he took care of business as as he needed to, as he needed to, and and he went out there and won a football game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And 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 you you could tell early on that as Brady and the and the team was going out there for warmth that. Brady received a general applause from from the Patriots faithful, but then what well, once once the game started, the the, the diehard uh, the diehard Patriots fan in them sh- showed up and they booed Tom Brady at earnest. There there was that there was that quick pause 
in the first half when Brady surpassed Drew Brees' all-time record for y yards thrown by a quarterback ever. So, but that that was nice. But I don't I don't think Brady was too concerned about that. What Brady was con was concerned about is actually going going out there and winning the football game and 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 surely enough he did and uh, and uh, and I think uh, Brady and Belichick ha had that incredible uh, if you looked at the reports post game that that Brady and Belichick uh, had, had embraced for a conversation about for about 15 to 20 minutes after the game in the Tampa Bay locker room so I'm fascinated uh, about that and and, and who who knows what the conversation was all about, and who knows how, how this is all, uh, uh, how everything else after this is going to play out. But but, but Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. Bill Belichick is the single greatest head coach in the history of the National Football League, and uh, and Belichick needed Brady, and Brady needed Belichick. I think that was the, that was the simple thing of it all, and and and. The th things began to go sour, sour when Ro Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick didn't think that Tom Brady was going to play at the age of 44 in 2021. That was not how. That's not how logic works. Tom Brady defies logic. That's how transcendentally great he, he has become as a quarterback. And, and no, he might he might not have the best arm in 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 the league. He might not have the most uh, the the fastest legs. He might not be. Uh, the the most versatile in the pocket, but he 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 just uses twenty years of experience looking at all the defenses, and uh, and and go, and goes goes out there and and just and just devises a plan to win a football game, and and he never faced Bel uh, Bel uh, Belichick's defense before in uh, with uh, because it was the first time he played the Patriots in his. Illustrious career, and 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 you you would think it would be a lot easier for for the Patriots to um for for the Patriots to go out there and and um play Brady because Belichick has seen Brady play for twenty years, and 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 I thought Belichick's defense worked because of the injury to Rob Gronkowski, which which allowed. Um, the New England's cause a cover as seven defensive back style defense to jam receivers like Chris Godwin and and uh, Mike Evans for for a good a good a good chunk of the game and it made it made Tom Brady um uh and made someone else step up and that's what Leonard Fournette did on occasions so that's what um and that that's how you uh, that's what compromises uh or I should say composes championship caliber teams that when you don't have your be best players uh on on the raid games you need someone to step up and and that's exactly what what I thought the pay oh, what Tampa did on offense I thought their offensive line would, would, would play would held up pretty strongly I thought Tristan Wirfs played a, a, a good game and and I think and Cameron Bray, he caught a, he caught the lone touchdown for Tampa in in this ball game, and 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 I thought Bray was excellent. He he had a critical block, uh, a couple of critical blocks early, I uh, and late in the game. I I thought which, uh, as as I mentioned, Tristan Wirfs was excellent, and and he and he looks to be a boom for Tampa's offensive line, which I think is going to be. 
uh, it, it going to be one of the be best unit, best such units in the National Football League for for the time being. So that the the ambiance, the the electricity, that that was all sensational when when you looked at um, the Buccaneers, and, and this was was, was designed, and the NFL schedule designed this matchup, and and it's and this was a, a by by design and by the cycle that. That the AFC East would play the NFC South, and, and because of the rotation, that allowed um, the page uh, the Patriots to play uh, to host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and 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 the and the anticipation for this game has been growing ever ever since the moment Tom Brady threw that pick six at the end of the AFC wildcard game against the Tennessee Titans in January of 2020. So. I, I thought that was a, tr a tremendous night for uh, for the National Football League. I want to uh, do on the flip side of this game and talk about Mac Jones because I thought Mac Jones, given the circumstance and given all the shadows, I thought he played a really solid football game in defeat on Sunday night. Th and that I, I thought Mac Jones looked comfortable in the pocket. I think he looked poised. I think he looked um, uh, uh, he looked like a uh, like what a young Tom Brady was like and. And people, uh, people forget that that the the statistics that Tom Brady is putting up in the latter stages of his career weren't the same ones that he uh, he put out er, in the in the earlier portion of his career. That so that Brady w was better known as a as a game manager the first uh, during the first half of the dynasty because the defense was so talented and it was built so brilliantly by Bill Belichick, the GM, and Bill Belichick, the coach, and uh, and I think. When, when, when I think when, when it's all said and done, uh, that it, you looked at Mac Jones as a game manager quarterback, and you 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 could kind of say, say the same thing about Brady because uh, it's a big, because he he knew that that the Patriots were, were going to be well prepared for this game and, and they and they were going to execute a game plan. So, but but I I thought Mac Jones uh, is is off to the best start among all the rookie quarterbacks across the NFL the first uh, first month of the season, and I think I think, um, I, I think Mac, Mac Jones showed a lot of of what of what a a, a great player can be and and a physically tough and mentally tough player. And and I I think he was uh, he was able to uh, to make a lot of throws. The one thing I the one thing I went what about in the game. So the Patriots were down two. There was less than a minute to go. The Patriots had a fourth and three from the Tampa forty yard line. And Mac Jones I, I ha, has been dialing up um, a, a lot of different numbers for. For the Patriots' offense throughout the second half, I would uh, I would have absolutely gone for it on fourth down, uh, even if it was three yards, because it, it, because you 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 could have gone to a, a lot of different players in, in that regard. So I think um, that's what I'm stunned about with with Bill Belichick and a 56-yard field goal in in the rain. I, I, I would not have uh, I would not have done that whatsoever. I I would have tried to get the ball inside the 30 or the 25 yard line and give Nick Folk an easier field uh, field goal attempt in the rain and and and, and what and what and, and something fitting about uh, about primetime games on NBC that the that the competitive nature of the game ended with a doink and if if you gave and thing and this is why if you gave the uh, Nick Folk a few a uh, few more yards to work with here 
I would have been a, uh, I, I would have said, okay, kick the field goal then, but... And even if Nick Folk made the field goal, you would have given Brady 50, uh, 50 seconds and two timeouts to work with to get Ryan Suck up to field goal range. And 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 you and you know and you know the Patriots fans know the tales about about Tom Brady in big spots and coming through. So I I was floored when Belichick decided decided to kick the field goal um, with with less than a minute to go, but. It, it was a chess match, it, it, and, and another thing I, I should have pointed out, it, it was that the weather was perfect for uh, for a, a Belichick-Brady game. The, the, both of these coaches thrived uh, under inclement weather you know, throughout throughout their careers, and, and they, they made a living out of it, and... So, and and you know Belichick, remember he would yeah he would pra- have the team practice in a blizzard uh, during during the bye week leading up to the playoffs, and I I thought that that tells you uh, oh, the greatness of Belichick and and what he wants for the for the players here, and I I think this is something we will never forget, and I don't think Patriots fans will ever forget this. I don't think Tom Brady will ever forget. What happened uh, on Sunday night? So I I loved loved watching watching that event from start to finish here. When you look at Brady versus Belichick in the National Football League for the first time in in a competitive setting, it is no secret that the ravages of Hurricane Ida have impacted so many people across the eastern United States. And people along the Gulf Coast and the Mid-Atlantic suffered the worst of this deadly storm. But now is your chance to help with the Red Cross. You can donate for hurricane victims by donating by mail to American Red Cross P.O. Box 37839 in Boone, Iowa 50037-0839 by phone at 1-800-HELP-NOW that is 1-800-435- 7669 or online at redcross.org/donate and have your credit or debit card information ready to process the donation. All donations are not are tax deductible. The American Red Cross is registered as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Contributions to the American National Red Cross are tax deductible to the extent permitted by law. The Red Cross's tax identification number is 53-0196605. Now is your chance to help someone feel the comforts of charity now. So we had a wild, wild push toward the playoffs in Major League Baseball. And I'm going to give you some some takes from the, from the week leading up to the playoffs. And I'll give you some takes about the postseason itself this year. I'm stunned the Toronto Blue Jays did not make the playoffs. The Blue Jays had one one of the one of the best seasons by by any of the teams in Major League Baseball this year. When you look at that they scored more run they they had four players drive in 100 or more runs. They scored over 800 runs. They uh, their, their pitching was sensational. They they played like at a really high level throughout the second half of the season, 
and they, they and and the the they were victim of circumstance. They played in the greatest division in the history of Major League Baseball. There were four teams in the AL East that finished with ninety or more wins, and the, and the Blue Jays were the, were the odd team out. So, I I and and mind you, there there were some things that I didn't like from Charlie Montoya. The, throughout the course of the season, in terms of in-game managing, um, and and I thought there were there were some games in, in September against Tampa where the index card scuffle happened, and I thought Tampa galvanized themselves around that, and I thought that was a a, a big uh, that was a a big a big thing that happened in the in the in the race for the division. And also those two games last week against the Yankees, and I said for, uh, before last week's show, during last week's show, that if the Yankees win two out of three, they're gonna find a way to get into the playoffs. Now I didn't think the Yankees would need Game One Sixty Two to beat uh, to uh, secure themselves a playoff spot, but see, they they needed those victories against Toronto. They needed uh, they needed those big home runs from Judge, from Stanton. And uh, and the Yankees are are go- going into Fenway with a fly, uh, flying high, and they won. The Yankees have won nine of the last twelve games. They did lose two or three to Tampa at the end, but, but a successful series uh, was equivalent to, to the Yankees making the playoffs. And the Yankees got destroyed by the Rays on Saturday. Brandon Lowell hit three home runs for Tampa. Uh, but I, but the Yankees made the playoffs barely. The Red Sox made the playoffs barely. I did not think the Red Sox would make the playoffs, but that's a huge credit to Alex Cora and and what he's able to do as an in-game manager. I think I think in tonight's game, the Red Sox have uh, as uh, have the better manager. But in in terms of the in terms of the rest of the. Uh, of the standings, I, I just thought the, the we had a magnificent effort by the Seattle Mariners. I I didn't think the Seattle Mariners were going to win ninety games this year. I didn't I didn't think uh, Seattle would have its best season in terms of the win loss record since two thousand three, and and a lot lot of credit goes to Scott Surveys. He's probably going to be the American League Manager of the Year. And, and and the and the young veteran and the the veterans uh, that that came up in big spots like Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seager, they, I think they both drove in a hundred runs. So, but there is definitely a lot to look forward to if you are a fan of the Seattle Mariners. I we, I'll never never get over um the the the, the, the um situations that happened in February with. With uh, I believe his name is Paul Mather, the the CEO of uh, of of the Mariners and and, and ownership to tell, uh, telling Mar- the Mar- the Mariners season ticket holders that they were going to um, keep Jared Kelnick and the in the minors for for a long while and give give Seattle credit that that I I think it, it turned out to be the right thing because. So because he he clearly wasn't ready the first couple months of the season, and then and then when he came up as a September call up, Kelnick was was one of the best players in Major League Baseball, and, and he played a pivotal role in shaping the in the wild card race 
in the American League. The Mariners came up short by two games. They lost two or three over the weekend to Shohei Otani and the LA Angels. So the Mariners finished with with nine with ninety wins, and the Yankees and Red Sox both had ninety two. Toronto had ninety ones, and there was a scenario, a potential scenario of a potential four way tie that never. And there was never a tiebreaker game uh, anyway in the American League. So the playoff field is uh, for for both leagues are set. It's the Ra- the Rays won the AL East. They're the one seed. The White Sox and the Astros are are going to play each other, and then the Rays will play the winner of tonight's Red Sox Yankees clash at Fenway. And and I, I'm going to be fascinated to see who, who they face in there. In the National League, the, the the playoff field is set. We have the Atlanta Braves winning the division. They swept the Philadelphia Phillies uh, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday last week to secure the division. The Bre- the Milwaukee Brewers will be the, the, the Braves' opponents. Game 1 between Atlanta and Milwaukee is Friday afternoon at American Family Field. The the Giants, with 107 wins, won the NL West. The Dodgers, with 106 wins, they play the Cardinals in a one-game play in the wildcard game on Wednesday night at Dodger Stadium. So... It's going. I think the Dodgers are going to beat the Cardinals. I think the Dodgers have more are, are deeper and, and they're, they're more battle tested than anyone else in, in in the field. I think the Dodgers are going to find uh, are going to find a way to to beat the Cardinals. Find a way to beat the Giants, and and I'll give you some takes of, about the playoffs. The the Atlanta Milwaukee series it is so easy for uh, for a lot of us to pick Milwaukee to win but I think Atlanta starting pitching has pitched really well in the second half of the season since the All Star break I think I I think Atlanta is that their infield has stayed healthy all year and Austin Riley has been tremendous Dansby Swanson um Ozzy Albies. And Freddie Freeman and, and give the Braves a lot of credit that that they they galvanized themselves to win after Ronald Acuna Jr. went down with, with an injury and and I said back at the time it was going to take 87 or 88 wins to win, win the National League East and surely surely enough that's what the Atlanta Braves did they finished with an 88 and 73 record um the, in the 2021 season so. I'm going to pick Milwaukee to beat Atlanta in five. I'm going to pick the White Sox to beat the Astros in in the in the division series. Although I don't feel great about it because I think Houston ha- has a really solid team and Carlos Correa has been excellent all year, and nobody's been nobody's really been talking about Correa because. Uh, because it, the focus has been more on the cheating scandal when it comes to the Houston Astros, but but Carlos Correa can be a game changer, and, and he's and he had the best season of anybody in that series. So I'm gonna pick the White Sox to win in five. I'm gonna uh, I'm going to pick whoever uh, I'm gonna pick the Rays to beat whoever wins the division series in four. And in terms of in terms of the Dodgers and Giants, I, I I have the Dodgers in five over San Francisco. If it's San Francisco and St. Louis, 
I it, it's going to be tough to pick against St. Louis the way they've played. But I'm gonna. But the Giants have been bat more battle tested than St. Louis, so in a potential Cardinals Giants series, and given and given all the problems the Cardinals franchise has had facing the Giants in the playoffs, they they lost two National League Championship series on on walk offs. They lost another in 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 a set in seven games. So I'm I I think the Giants are are going to be well prepared for that, and I'll take the Giants in four if they play St. Louis. So, I can't wait for that. I'm going to give you my my takes for I'll, I'll, for the for the awards since the season regular season is over. NL Cy Young, it is really tough, but I'm going to pick Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies. He, he's been excellent all year. He's pitched more than 200 innings. None of the other Cy Young Award candidates in the National League can say that. He he is he was one of the league leaders in strikeouts, and he 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 really was a big one of the big two reasons why the Phillies stayed in the playoff race until the end uh, until the the end of September. The MVP vote is going to be fascinating because of Juan Soto's incredible finish to the season. But I'm going to go with Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies to be the National League MVP. When you have, when you can hit like Jimmy Fox for four months, that's really a telltale sign that I think someone like Harper is going to win the MVP. It's going to be difficult and it was tempting to pick Fernando Tatis Jr., but... The Philadelphia Phillies, uh, w once again, waste uh, waste a great season from Bryce Harper and 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 waste a great season from from Zach Wheeler and 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 this is why I told you Dave Dombrowski has uh, is not the answer for the Philadelphia Phillies that and with the Phillies. So they so the the big thing the Phillies did at the deadline was acquire. Ian Kennedy and Kyle Gibson from the Texas Rangers, and in Kyle after Kyle Gibson's first two starts, which I thought were really really good against Pittsburgh and the Mets, he had an ERA since then of over five and a half, and Ian Kennedy not not much better. So it all everything they were talking about uh, with uh, giving up the prospects turned out to be pointless when it came to the. Philadelphia Phillies. So, if the Phillies have a long off season, I think, and I think if I'm the Phillies, I think you need to make some changes at the top, um, and and that's where the the Phillies are going to stand as they go into this off season. I want to give you a couple of football takes before we round before we round out. I thought the LA Chargers were sensational last night. I think the Chargers had that special feel in them on uh in the Monday night game against the Vegas Raiders um at SoFi Stadium. First of all, the game is delayed by 35 minutes because uh because of uh, a lightning storm in the area, which which, which isn't which is shocking because uh SoFi Stadium uh, is a, is a dome building. So, but I think it really gave a foretaste to what happened in in, in the game. The the Chargers said they they, they thoroughly dominated the Raiders in the, uh, at the line of scrimmage. Run the foot. They were able to effectively run the football. They they played a complementary brand of football for sixty minutes. Offense, defense, special teams. 
Uh, Austin Eckler was excellent. He ran for over 100, uh, I believe over 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Justin Herbert was excellent managing the game. The offensive line uh, uh, was excellent. And Slater and Lindsley, they've changed the outlook on the Chargers um, offense. uh, offense, And that, that was really something that Justin Herbert was missing last year. And, and by the way, say Justin Herbert in, 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 his, in his first three NFL primetime games, 10 touchdown passes. The only other quarterbacks to have 10 or more are Patrick Mahomes and Dan Marino. So you, you, you know Justin Herbert is getting up there in terms of being a contender. Brandon Staley has done a really, really good job managing the uh, as an in-game coach as uh, as a, a culture builder he uh, i think he is really uh, someone that 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 could really get the chargers to to, to special places here and and on the flip side for the raiders i uh, their offensive line issues popped up last night and i i this this has been a a bad design by uh by the Raiders, I think that John Good, um, Derek Carr was was neutralized by the charge uh, by the Chargers pass rush, and and the Raiders were never really able to get anything going offensively last night, and that's a credit to a credit to the Chargers here, and and I did pick the Chargers to make the playoffs preseason, and and I and I think it it, it I think you you saw why. On on Monday night, and that that is that is a game that I do regret picking the Raiders because I did pick the Chargers to make the playoffs preseason, and the Raiders not. So the only undefeated team in the National Football League, and I'm gonna I, I'll I'll touch on on the, uh, this team for a minute or two. How about the job the Arizona Cardinals did against the, against the LA Rams? Under no universe did I think the Cardinals were going to spank the Rams the way they did. 37-20 to 20 was the final in that game. Uh, Kyler Murray continues to play at a really high level. That was a great job and a great game plan by, uh, by Cliff Kingsbury. And, 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 the, and the difference in the game was the quarterback play. Matthew Stafford was way too inconsistent. And he, he, threw some, he made some ill-advised throws that led to interceptions. Uh, he, uh, he he wasn't able to uh, to to generate the rapport so that he had with Cooper Cup in the in the first three weeks of the season, and I thought that was a terrible job by Sean McVay. That that you you would expect a co- a coaching talent like McVay to uh, to conti- continue the vibes and con- and continue the good times and 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 with that with that blowout victory over Tampa on. Uh, on Sunday last week, and th- this was a letdown. This was a trap game, and and this was an in division game, and and the Cardinals had had not beaten the Rams since Jeff Fisher was the coach in, back in twenty uh, back in twenty sixteen, and uh, and and you look at Kyler Murray, his name is in the MVP conversation. I, I mentioned Derek Carr's name in the conversation. I I think Derek Henry is is someone you could look at in terms of. In terms of the MVP discussion as well, the Titans, by the way, no, uh, there should not have been any excuses. And I don't want to hear about the AJ Brown and Julio Jones uh, not being available. And yes, I did say the Titans were going to have some injury issues on, at the wide receiver position, and and I did not pick Tennessee to make the playoffs preseason. And 
and I, and I don't and I don't think they would get far in the playoffs because uh, because I don't trust their defense and and they don't have much depth at the wide receiver position. So I I think uh, there there's a, a lot of things to, that need need to be fixed here before before the Titans can continue on here in in the in the NFL. They do play the Jaguars on Sunday. The game is in Jacksonville. And the big story there is Urban Meyer. I mean, or the, the situation with Urban Meyer. So what happened is is Meyer, after losing their game to Cincinnati on Thursday night, and, and give credit to the Bengals for finding a way to win down double digits, Urban Meyer did not travel uh, back back to Jacksonville with the team. And instead, he was hanging out um, in, in Ohio, where where he coached Ohio State for for many, many years. And that's that's a serious red flag, and and the and the Jaguars ownership and, and the front office they they had some intense meetings with, with Mr. Meyer t- uh, today, and the and 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 the reports were that they weren't related to, uh, to advice on how to beat the Tennessee Titans, and and, and th- this is this is going to be something that's going to rear rear its ugly head on the franchise soon, and and and, and, and part of the thing the thing is with with. With the with the Jaguars, that you you expect Urban Meyer to uh, to be be someone like a coach, and I and I remember saying at the time that that before they hired Meyer was that he might not be that the right guy because because of the NFL. But what I do think the Jaguars should do for continuity purposes. Because they have a, they have a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, I I think it would be best to try to keep him around as long as you can because you you because Trevor Lawrence needs him as as a mentor and and a developer at the quarterback position. But but if if this if this thing continues, you you really need to need to start look, looking looking in the rearview mirror and, and 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 say to yourself why why the why the Tennessee Titans, why the Jacksonville Jaguars did this, and it's more proof that that the Jaguars are right there with Detroit, Cincinnati, and Houston as some as dysfunctional franchises in the National Football League. So terrible, terrible job by Urban Meyer and a terrible job by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So. That's going to do it for this edition of Hooked on Sports. Since this podcast was on a Tuesday, we're going to make our picks and predictions against the spread for week number five on Thursday this week to, to give you to give you guys a day to rest up and get ready to, to preview the week ahead in the National Football League. So, until then, this is John Flynn saying so long. I'll be back here on the podcast on Thursday this week. Goodbye, everybody.